The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs> it's probably like getting grade 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether, you know, there's two types of turds, you're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean, um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson. Uh, we're recording this on a Thursday. We have football this week. Very exciting. We didn't have football last week. People didn't know what to do with their lives. This week, Nebraska plays Northwestern. They play in Evanston. The last time Nebraska went to Evanston, it lost in just awful, excruciating fashion. I remember that game specifically because uh, we had three of us from Hale Varsity there, and we were up in the press box, and I'm finishing my rapid, and I'm writing, Nebraska's won. Nebraska has the first win under Scott Frost in game number six. It took a while, but they have it with... Five minutes or so to go. Nebraska had a 10-point lead. My two editors go down to the field to get ready for post-game. I stay up in the press box. But then with like two minutes left, Nebraska sells a seven-point lead, and I tell uh, Jacob Padilla, who was back home, who was going to handle the rapid, I say, I'm going to hand this off to you. It's done. All Nebraska has to do is finish this out, and we're good to go. And then he has to completely rewrite the thing because Nebraska falls apart on the last drive, 99 yards. This game, I would imagine Nebraska's hoping to exercise some demons against Northwestern. Um, and, it, and it's probably a good team to do it against, too, because Northwestern, as we've heard all week long this week, is a team that doesn't beat itself. It's a team that plays sound, fundamental football. It's a team that is really kind of a, a grinded-out game uh, that, that nobody looks forward to on their schedule. And Nebraska needs that because Nebraska's not a very disciplined team, and it hasn't been a very disciplined team for... Uh, for for two years and and a game, so it's hoping to change that. So, Nebraska Northwestern this week, 11 a.m. kick. I will be there in Evanston, uh, and so we brought somebody on who covers Northwestern to talk about uh, the Wildcats and give us a little preview of the game. Um, she's joining us via Zoom. Leah from Inside NU. Leah, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. Where can people follow you on social media and read your work? Um, so you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is Lassimac, so L-A-S-S-I-M-A-K, or you can follow my site at InsideNU on Twitter. How long have you been covering Northwestern? So I've been covering Northwestern for, I guess this is my third year. I'm a student at Northwestern, so I'm in my junior year. So since I came on campus in 2018, so I was also at that Nebraska game in 2018. Yeah. Uh, it was a crazy one. This team is 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 um, unique, I think, in that at least defensively, I mean, offensively they were terrible a year ago, but at least defensively, like, you're going to get the same thing game in and game out from them. Where do you think, I asked Scott Frost uh, this question this week, where does he think that kind of they don't beat themselves mentality comes from? Because Pat Fitzgerald has been there just for so long. And he was like, well, there's smart kids at Northwestern, that probably plays a part. For you, being there, being around the team, talking to Fitzgerald, where do you think that, I guess, culture within the program comes from? Is it Pat, who's just been there for years and years and years? Or is it set more by the players, or is it something else? You know, I think it's definitely 
kind of a combination of all of that. Fitz has really, you know, instilled that idea in the team. And I think the fact that, you know, he played at Northwestern, he was a linebacker at Northwestern, you know, he works with that group very closely. They, they really have a ton of respect for him. And I think also just kind of the experience on that team. Now our defense is going to be graduating a lot of players this year. It is a very experienced defense, especially the linebacker group, but also there is some experience on the D line as well. So, you know, I think having a lot of years under their belt, they've just kind of come to work together as a unit very well. Um, Mike Hankwitz, our defensive coordinator has also been around for a very long time and has charted like over 390 career wins or something that Fitz was saying the other day. And, you know, he just, has you know held this defense strong for for a while so they really have been the one consistent piece as you said last year the offense was very very challenging to watch at times but the defense is really what kept them in a lot of close games when it really shouldn't have even been close yeah it was funny a handful of coaches from nebraska this week said that they're going to be happy when patty fisher is no longer playing (laughs) playing linebacker for northwestern i think a lot of people in the big 10 conference feel that way Um, we're going to talk about the linebackers in a minute we'll talk about the offense in a minute i just want to start though like 50,000 foot view, what have you seen from Northwestern through two games? It was a blowout game against Maryland, 43 to three, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. And, right. and then 21 20 over Iowa. And like, it's been weird because you, as you watch the first two weeks of the Big Ten, Maryland gets blown out in week one and then comes back and beats Minnesota. Penn State's 0 2. Like, there's kind of chaos a little bit. Northwestern's 2 0. People didn't expect that. Um, What have you seen from Northwestern through these first two weeks that has maybe surprised you or caught you off guard? Or if you haven't been surprised by it, why? I came into the season trying to be optimistic, but I'll definitely say that I have been pleasantly surprised. Um, I think after that Maryland game, kind of the general feeling in the Northwestern football community was that was a good win. We played better than we expected, but it's Maryland. And, you know, when Maryland ended up going on to beat Minnesota, there was definitely a little more, oh, okay, maybe we are did play better than we expected. And obviously Maryland is a wild card and we really didn't know what to, what to expect from them even moving forward. But the Iowa win was just an all-around team effort. And I think kind of the the one thing that is that came that I took away from that game was Northwestern has now shown that it can win in multiple ways. It can blow out teams, completely dominate on offense, and it can come from behind and pull out a really strong victory. And you know that first quarter against Iowa when Northwestern fell into a 17-0 hole, that was you know a lot of what we saw in 2019. So kind of seeing seeing that come through and then also watching Northwestern come from behind and pull out that close victory at the very end is a lot of what we saw in 2018 when they went to the Big Ten Championship. So it's kind of now a question of will they be able to continue to show those shades of 2018 or will they fall back into that those offensive struggles um, and turnovers and all that that came through in 2019. But, you know, I think overall there have also been a lot of younger players stepping up who – Northwestern may have not expected um, in the secondary. Brandon Joseph has been great. He had two interceptions in the last game. Um, the running back room, which had kind of a tough year in 2019, has been awesome. Um, and Jesse Brown, who ha- has missed a lot of his career with injuries, had two touchdowns against definitely a lot of um, newer players stepping up, which has kind of given to this new style of play that they've been showing. Yeah. The 17-point uh, the deficit that they had in the first quarter against Iowa, like against a traditional Iowa team, you'd be in trouble because they'd be able to run the ball, lean on you a little bit, and control the clock. Northwestern 
comes back from that. What 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 was the what was I guess what was the feeling from the team after that game? What what was said about their mentality? Because it you know you go from like you said they've won two different ways now. You go from a big blowout they hadn't they hadn't won one of those close games, especially given everything that happened last year. What was what was kind of said about the way they were feeling, the mentality that they had as they were attempting and then pulling off that comeback? Yeah, the the word that was used a lot in the, that post came press conference was resilience, and you know they they thought that they really. You know, came that coming out of that 17 point hole was a very big deal for them. And, you know, Fitz was talking a little bit about how after the first quarter, Iowa has their tradition where they do the wave to the children's hospital next door. And he used that period to kind of gather his team together and said, like, we are not going down this line anymore. Things need to change. And there were significant changes that were put in place in the, in the second quarter. And then by the second half, it was really just the defense that stepped up and, and shut Iowa out in the entire second half. So I think that that idea of being resilient and not just laying down and giving up when you're in a 17 point hole is something that we did not see from Northwestern in in 2019, but has been a significant change for this year. Fitzgerald said it is at his first weekly press conference. I don't, I don't know how many, how many times he talks to you guys each week, but I think it was, Monday or so he said that because Nebraska didn't play Wisconsin because Nebraska had a week off and Northwestern is coming off a, a a bruiser of a game against Iowa Nebraska might have an advantage because it was maybe fresher has that been a talking point this week from other people outside of just Pat Fitzgerald absolutely it's you know once we found out that that game was going to be canceled against Wisconsin it's been something that a lot of Northwestern fans and just the team in general has been thinking a lot about um, the combination of that plus also some of like the carryover with the targeting calls and there's just a lot with you know with Nebraska that this is kind of going to be a more unique game than we would have normally expected and having that extra week to recover after you know Northwestern going on the road having as you said a, a tough game um, it's definitely something that that um, has worried the team and, and the program but you know they luckily they had have some players who were injured, but look to be doing better now, have now had more time to rest, didn't play as much against Iowa as we would have anticipated. So hopefully, you know, Nebraska having that extra week won't necessarily um, be a huge game changer. This game has been close for years and years and years, really ever since Nebraska joined the conference. So I I think, at least from Nebraska's perspective, they're expecting another close game. Um, There are three key areas that I want to talk about, and then we'll talk about a couple of players uh, that Nebraska fans should know about on Northwestern, and then we'll get to a prediction from you at the end. But let's start with the linebackers, like you talked about. So Blake Gallagher, Patty Fisher, Chris Bergen, three senior linebackers for Northwestern. Combined throughout their career, they have 762 tackles and 120 (laughs) career games. It's incredible. Fisher had back-to-back 100 tackle seasons um, in 2017 and 2018. He had 100 tackles as a freshman, which is incredible. Uh, and then each has played at least 11 games each year since 2017. This linebacker core, this is the strength of the defense, yes? Absolutely, yeah. So, so, sorry, go ahead. 
um, the linebacker core, especially this year, is the strength of the defense because the you know coming into this season there was a little concern about the secondary because they are just a younger group and one of the starting safeties, Travis Willick, opted out about a week before the season, um, and starting quarterback Greg Newsom has been injured so far. So there was you know de- and also the defensive line also had another player um, opt out and there was some more injuries there. So definitely relying on the linebackers. The, I'm trying to think of the defensive lineman's name from Northwestern a year ago, who's now in the league. Joe Gaziano. That's why did I think he played at Michigan State? That because no. that name was what came to my mind, and I was like, no, that's the Michigan State guy. No, Joe ba- Bacci. Baki was the Michigan State guy. Joe Gaziano. Okay, so is there a place where this defense is vulnerable? Because in Bill Conley's S and P power rankings right now, Northwestern has the number three defense in the country according to his power yeah. rankings. Is there a place where this defense? Is vulnerable. Yes, um, I would say you know the the defensive line is definitely where the defense is vulnerable. Um, there are I think two players right now on the line who are injured. Two of the start starting defensive tackles are have been out so far this season. So um, there are a lot of younger players stepping into roles who just haven't gotten as many snaps and have had to play a lot more than they would have expected early on this year. So you know the youth there definitely um, means that it's vulnerable. I still think while the secondary has been very strong in the first two games, it is a young group. And I think that there eventually is going to be a point where their inexperience is going to show. Um, So I think, you know, against a more dynamic offense like Nebraska, there's going to definitely be, it's going to be probably the biggest challenge that Northwestern Stevens has faced this year. The wild card factor with Nebraska's offense is Luke McCaffrey, what they do with Mm -hmm. him, where they line him up. They, they were, really coy with local media about what was what their depth chart looked like, what was going to happen at quarterback. And then Ohio State week happens, and we find out that because, you know, we find out why. Luke McCaffrey's playing wide out, and he's playing running back, and he's playing quarterback all in the same series, and it's crazy. Did players talk about Luke McCaffrey this week? Were they asked about Luke this week? Was he a talking point? Yeah, they talked a little bit about just the idea of, of you know, not knowing what to expect, having multiple quarterbacks. And um, it was kind of a similar conversation going into the Maryland um, game week when it was unsure who they were going to start. And there wasn't, you know, a a ton of understanding on what was going to happen there. But the difference here is there's been a game under, under Nebraska's belt that they've been able to look at. But again, only one game against Ohio state is really not telling the defense a whole lot about what to expect from the team. So, you know, I think there's definitely, um, they're always going to say we'll prepare for whatever they throw at us, but um, that's definitely a point of concern and the fact that it just is such a versatile offense compared to what they've played so far will be a challenge. Let's switch gears and go to the other side of the ball and talk about the offense a little bit. So Peyton Ramsey comes in as a grad transfer from Indiana. Nebraska fans are familiar with him. He is, at least with his career numbers, I think he, if he's not the most accurate, he's one of the most accurate quarterbacks playing in the Big Ten right now. Just based off of his career numbers, he's at 70% completion this season, I think, close to it. He was at 68 a year ago. Um, he's he's a guy who, you know, it might be it, it might be a disservice to him to call him a game manager, but he just makes the smart plays. And, and where I want to go with this is on third down. No one in the Big Ten has faced more third downs than Northwestern. They've got 35 in two games offensively is is that a recipe that can continue to be successful for them because they had three 
touchdowns on third down against Iowa a week ago. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think yes, yes and no. I think in the past we've really seen Northwestern struggle on third down, and obviously it's a very different thing this year. We have a new offensive coordinator, Mike Bajakian. Under Mick McCall, it was always a struggle. Um, I think this year it's just it's just different. Um, what you were saying about Peyton Ramsey being kind of a game manager is definitely what we've seen. He's not, you know, putting up flashy numbers by any means. It's not like he's like throwing bombs downfield. It's really just getting what he needs to do to move the chains. And we saw a lot from him connecting to Kyrick McGowan, who's one of Northwestern's better receivers. Um, this past week on third down, they they were great with each other. And, and that really um, is something that we hadn't seen a lot in the past, but as um, from what we've seen in the first two games, Northwestern has really been running the ball on the vast majority of its snaps. And that is kind of where Peyton Ramsey has been a lot more conservative. He hasn't been at, at least against Iowa was not necessarily like the key difference maker in the game. He definitely led the team and led the offense, but it was the running back room that accounted for the bulk of the yards and about 75% of the snaps. So, you know, I think, it's going to be interesting to see if that continues and against some stronger defenses, that could be a challenge. Yeah. He threw it only 18 times against Iowa. What have coaches said about what they've gotten from Peyton in his first two games? Overall. I mean, they, they said that they've been very pleased. Fitz was talking about Peyton after the game um, and said he didn't have a complaint except for the one interception that he threw against Iowa was, it was a third and long and he just kind of chucked it and it was picked off. Um, So besides that, Overall, they've said, you know, they haven't had a complaint. But um, that play, he did say after Peyton went to him and said, I know I messed up. And it was one of those plays that they just kind of moved past. And Northwestern's defense, again, um, picked off uh, Spencer Petras the next, on, right on the next drive. So, you know, overall, I think Peyton's experience has definitely served the, the offense very well. That was the issue that Northwestern had last year. They just didn't have a confident quarterback under center who had had a lot of game experience and as you said Peyton has played a lot in the Big Ten before and you know he he knows what it's like to play against these opponents so even if he hasn't necessarily played a lot in a Northwestern uniform it's a similar experience and um, has definitely been a positive for the offense. Last year was kind of a perfect storm for their offense because they couldn't have a quarterback that found confidence or a rhythm and then their running game fell apart kind of at the, the same time too. This season Nobody has run the ball more through the first two games in the Big Ten than Northwestern has. They have 113 rushing attempts in two games, which is 20 more than the next place team. Ohio State, I think, has 91. Um, is that? Do you think that was game plan for Maryland and Iowa, or do you think that is indicative of what you mentioned, their new offensive coordinator, of what he wants to do with the offense? I think it's definitely indicative of Bajakian's new offense. Um, from what we had seen when he was coaching at Boston College, he really did emphasize the run. So we kind of expected this coming into the season. Um, and they're really, I think the running back room might be one of, if not the strongest room, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Um, there is a lot of returning players. Isaiah Bowser is right now the starter there. Um, he missed a lot of last season with an injury, which is kind of what led the room to fall apart after a really strong 20. 20- 18 years so he's been back he hasn't really been averaging that many yards per carry but he's been you know good in the red zone he's been getting like moving the chains for them so he's been effective um drake anderson who was probably the primary running back last season um is now in his second year and he's he's stepped up a lot and um had some big plays including a pretty big touchdown against uh maryland 
Um, and then there last week, Jesse Brown, who, as I mentioned before, hadn't seen the field a lot since about 2017 because he just battled a lot of injuries. He had two touchdowns and, you know, was great. So it's, it's definitely the fact that they just have so many different weapons they can use in that room and maybe more so than the wide receivers coming into this year, it was a little bit of concern about the wide receiver room. So um, they've been able to kind of take advantage of, of that depth in the running backs. Talking specifically about this matchup with, with Nebraska, what are a couple of maybe key areas that you're going to be watching closely with this game? Yeah, um, I think I'm going to just, I mean, I'm going to be watching kind of the trenches in general. I think, you know, Northwestern's defensive line is really going to have its its work cut out for them. And, you know, I think the same with the offensive line. I mean, it's going to, it's going to be, um, a battle one there. Um, I think also one thing that we've just been talking about a lot this season is the turnover battle. And, you know, if Northwestern wins the turnover battle, they will win games. And that's been the consistent um, storyline from the team. So as we saw last game, Northwestern was down to nothing in the turnover battle and went into a 17 point hole and then had three interceptions and won the game. So I think that aspect has really proven to be the most important part of their game this year. So if the secondary can come up with more interceptions um, and the linebackers can continue to force fumbles like they have been, then um, things should be looking up for them. I think Nebraska fans are gagging as you talk about them forcing fumbles because <laughs> the uh, the stat about Adrian Martinez's fumbles in his 22 career games is, is hard to swallow, I think, for <laughs> a lot of people. Um, you mentioned Brandon Joseph in the beginning. The secondary is is going to be interesting because, like, I wonder what Nebraska tries to do with Wando Robinson if they try to, to match him up against linebackers. And then if Omar Manning plays for Nebraska, I wonder what that can do for, for the Huskers' vertical passing game, which was non-existent against Ohio State. So the secondary for Northwestern looks really interesting. You mentioned Brandon Joseph. Why is he a player that, that has maybe kind of burst onto the scene. He has 11 tackles in two games. Why is he a player that Nebraska fans should know about? Well, he's new into the starting lineup. Um, He last year just, I'm pretty sure he's a red shirt freshman, if I'm correct. So this is really his, his first year having a, um, a lot, a lot. He's just playing a lot more than he has in the past. And, you know, Northwestern had some concern in the secondary just because, you know, they lost one of their starting safeties. Greg Newsom, who's their starting quarterback, has been um, injured. So Brandon Joseph has really stepped up. And we, we first heard about him once Travis Willock opted out because he replaced Willock's position. So we nobody was super aware of what he was going to be like. Um, but he has just really... Um, stood out in the first couple games and you know especially against Iowa that was a very very big game for him with two interceptions and both of them were very very crucial interceptions one setting up a score and one basically bailing Northwestern's offense out when they turned the ball over Um, so you know I think he is young but he has definitely brought a lot of energy to the defense and something that some of the more veteran um, uh, defensive backs have talked about is having these younger players has definitely served well for their unit because it's a combination of just veteran experienced players like J.R. Pace um, and then just younger players who bring a lot of energy like Brandon Joseph. What about a guy on the offensive side of the ball? You know, maybe not a, a big name, obviously not a Peyton Ramsey since we've talked about him quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Who's somebody on the offensive side of the ball that you think potentially will have a, a bigger role to play on Saturday? 
Um, so far this season, um, one player that we haven't really heard a ton about is Riley Lees. Um, he was Northwestern's leading receiver actually last year, but hasn't done a whole lot this season. He also was um, out for most of the game against Iowa with an injury, but has been kind of day-to-day, will likely be coming back into the mix soon. So he's definitely due for a big game. Um, Northwestern has had some other receivers step up, like Ramad Chakiel Bowman and um, Kyrick McGowan, but I think Lees is someone who has been really strong in special teams and also just um, as a receiver. So I think that's a player to definitely look out for. Three catches for 28 yards so far to begin the season. He had, as they pulled up, 51 a year ago for 430. Yeah. What kind of receiver is he? Is he a slot guy? Is he a deep threat guy? Um, I think he's been a little bit more of a, a, at least last year, a little bit more of a deep threat guy. But, um, I mean, Northwestern's receiving game was just not – up to par last year, so it's definitely not indicative of what it's going to be this year. Okay. What do you think is going to happen Saturday? Um, it's a tough one. Uh, it's definitely hard to know. I've been going with Northwestern so far. I've picked them over Iowa. Um, this week, it's definitely, I think it's going to be very close, but my prediction was Northwestern 30 to 27 is what I said. Um, I think they really have the momentum and, you know, coming back home after a a strong win, they, I think that they have what it takes to beat Nebraska this week. Um, I do think the fact that Nebraska's well-rested could be a little bit of a problem for them. Um, But I think that their offense is really going to um, pick apart Nebraska's defense. And I do see them coming out with a win. Interesting. The, the line opened at three, for Northwestern, and I think it moved up to three and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, Northwestern's obviously the home team, but home field advantage is pretty much non-existent with the Big Ten, the way that right. they've set it up. If Northwestern wins this game and starts 3-0, and Wisconsin will be down two games. They won't be able to miss another game. Otherwise, they won't be eligible for the Big Ten title game. If Northwestern starts 3-0 and with wins over Iowa and Nebraska – is this team, they they would be in the driver's seat for the Big Ten West. Do you think they are a legitimate contender in the Big Ten West if they win this game? I definitely do. Um, I think winning this game is very crucial for them, especially going to face Purdue on the road in next week. Um, obviously, that depends on, like, and, and Purdue's off this week. They're supposed to play Wisconsin as well, if I'm correct on that. So, you know, this is a game it's going to be a big confidence builder for them if they can pull out a win here against a tough divisional opponent. So I really do think that um, it's a very different team than we saw in 2019. I mean, Northwestern has definitely flipped the script on basically everything that they were struggling with. And yes, it's only been two games, but I think if they can pull out another strong win without a lot of errors and just, you know, keep composure and, and beat Nebraska, I definitely think that they're a contender, especially given what's happened to Wisconsin. Does it feel closer to the team that went to the Big Ten title game? Was that 2018? 2018. It's yeah. it's showing a lot of signs of that team. And there's one thing that Fitzgerald said after the conference, after or after in the press conference after the Iowa game, he said, you know, to have a special year like that, you have to win games like this. And that's what they did in, in 2018. And if they pull out another close win against Nebraska, it's gonna it's gonna be a similar story. So he's already talked about that. He's already brought up that twenty eight. Interesting. I was gonna I was gonna ask about that. If he's leery of making com- comparisons, in, listen, 
doesn't want to, it seems like he doesn't want to be too open about it, but they're definitely thinking about it. It's definitely early, but yeah. like you only get eight regular season games this year in the Big Ten. You're already a quarter of your way through the season. So right. if you win, if you beat Nebraska and you go to 3-0, and I mean, it's not perfect math, but you're a third of the way through your season. You're feeling good, probably. Interesting. Okay, uh, most important question of the podcast. Lumonati's, Geno's, or Giordano's? <laughs> Lumonati's, absolutely. Really? Not, not even a question. Is it because it's close to Evanston and because you would have to go into downtown Chicago to have the good Geno's? No? There, I, I've never had Geno's, actually, but there is both Lumonati's and Giordano's in Evanston, and you know that, that just seems kind of like the battle, and you know, it's... People take it very personally, but I'm not. I'm not originally from the Chicago area, so I've kind of learned to adopt the deep dish lifestyle. But I like it. You do? I do. Okay, that's good. <laughs> we'll be able to bring you back on the podcast. I argue with so many people <laughs> that deep dish pizza is the way to go. My dad loves thin crust pizza, and after having deep dish Chicago pizza, thin crust pizza just tastes like garbage. Literal, <laughs> literal garbage. So you should try Geno's. Geno's is my I, favorite. I will. I'm considering. Because I go into we're recording this on a Thursday. I'm driving to Evanston on a Friday. I'm considering Friday night driving into downtown Chicago just you for should. Geno's. It's not it's not that far at all. It's an easy easy drive. It's right. probably worth it. I'm considering it. So <laughs> we'll see. All right, Leah. Well, you probably have stuff to do, so I'll let you get back to it. Thank you for coming on the podcast once again. Yeah. Where can people find your work? Um, you can find my work on InsideNU.com um, or follow us on Twitter at InsideNU. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on the pod. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks so much for having me. That'll do it for the podcast this week. If you like the show, go subscribe. Leave us a rating on iTunes. Go subscribe to all of our other podcast offerings too. You can go to HaleVarsity.com backslash network and you can get every single podcast that we offer. Lots of podcast offerings from all of your favorite Hail Varsity voices. And uh, I'm pretty sure, what is it, a day a week they come out? Yeah, every day. Um, shout out to Sasha, who's producing this week for us. She's got her own podcast with Aaron Sorensen. That's <laughs> the only one I'm going to plug. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll, like I said, we'll have coverage on the ground in Evanston this weekend uh, for the Northwestern game. I will be there. So you will be able to read all you want. Hopefully it's a Nebraska win. Um, from, from, from Nebraska's standpoint, they are... They need some good momentum, some positive momentum, something to feel good about within their program. So they're hoping that this can be that step. And like I said in the beginning, this one might have some some symbolic meaning to it just because of the way they lost the last time we're here and just because of how close this series has been. So if Nebraska can pull it out, I think there will be some fun stuff to read after the fact. And even if Nebraska can't pull it out, we will have stuff at hailvarsity.com for you to read. There's also state volleyball coverage. Jacob Adela has been in Lincoln covering state volleyball. You can read about that. Basketball is getting close. You can read basketball stuff. And we will be back next week with another podcast. Thanks, guys.